Welcome into the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner again for another week. It is Louis Herman Watt here with you. And, uh, oh, what a week it has been, what a week it still is. I uh, hope everybody's enjoyed their public holiday yesterday and you managed to relax or head down to the AMP show or to uh, the show day races, of course. Um, Wow, what a week it's been. Super, super busy, as you can imagine, uh, for me, um, with all of the the work we've been doing around at the SENZ Punters Club with um, Cup Week going on at Rickerton and at Addington. Just so nice to catch up with some good Cantabrians, though, and people that have come from around the South Island and abroad and down from Nelson, over from the coast, uh, up the line from Deep South, and uh, it's been a really, really good week. So I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've managed to keep out of the wind or it hasn't caused too much havoc for you. We may or may not have lost a gazebo at some stage. So, um, yeah, you know, just a couple of war stories that you kind of have after a long week doing content in the old radio business, but I'm sure everybody's got a couple. So, yes, hopefully you're feeling rested and enjoying your long weekend. Uh, We've got an awesome show here on the Enterprise Canterbury Sports corner um, this morning. Logan Van Beek, ex-Cantab, I guess. Um, he plays for the Wellington Firebirds these days and, of course, for the Netherlands as well. And he, He's been at the Cricket World Cup, so we'll catch up with him and hear about his experiences um, from India. What a wonderful time he had. Andy Thompson, host of the Rural Roundup, talk about the, the Canterbury AMP show, what Cup and Show Week means to the ag and the rural sector, so we'll catch up with Andy. And we're also going to hear about Monopoly. In Christchurch. Yeah, yeah, the game, the ball game, Monopoly. Monopoly. Not kidding. So if you're into ball games and you're into Monopoly, you're probably going to, well, and you're into Christchurch, you're probably going to really enjoy this. If you hit the trifecta, you will be loving it. So that's what we got coming up. Uh, of course, we are here with Enterprise Recruitment. Enterprise, the recruitment company, improving people's lives for over 50 years. We will do some local sports with Trident Homes, designed for living, built for life, proud supporters of community sport across Christchurch. Check out our modern home plans and show home locations at tridenthomes.nz. We love their support for community sport. We think we love it as well. We know we love community sport. This is the Canterbury Sports Corner. After this, we'll come back with a long catch-up with a very, very, very talented man in Logan Van Beek. He's one of the good guys of the New Zealand cricket scene and obviously a deep connection to this part of the world down here in Christchurch and Canterbury and Wellington these days and he's just spent a a very long time in India playing some good cricket and probably having a a life experience that everyone would dream of and and you never ever be able to replicate. It's Logan Van Beek and we're lucky to have him joining us here on the Canterbury Sports Corner. Logan, welcome back to New Zealand, man. And uh, Just looking at your socials, it looked like you guys really did have the time of your life over there. Yeah, well, namaste, Louis. Uh, no, it was it was fantastic. It was a great experience on and off the field, and yeah, I just I try to make the most of it, and uh, yeah, wonderful time. What about the cricket? So the Netherlands finish on four points, tied with four other teams, I think, from memory. Yep, England, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Netherlands. Uh, your net run rate puts you at the foot of the ladder, but who really cares about that? I mean, what an even tournament, and, and what a what a really reputable um, fist you guys made of it. So are you proud? Yeah, definitely always proud um, to, to represent Holland, but I, I think the fact that, first of all, the fact that we qualified was like a massive achievement. Um, you know, what we did in Zimbabwe was, was, was huge, was remarkable. And 
Um, you know, and then when, once we arrived at the World Cup, you know, we were kind of looking at each other and going, wow, we're actually here. We're actually, we're actually here. And um, the great thing about Ryan Cook, our coach, is that he straight away put our focus on we're making the semifinals. And, like, that was the only thing he would, would chat about was we're making the semifinals. We're going to win four from eight, and then we're going to leave it to that last game against India, and we're going to qualify. And that was that was his his conversation, and that just became our our talk amongst us. It was like, okay, well, how do we make the semifinals? And so we went into each match, you know, planning, uh, preparing, uh, doing as much as we can to – to make sure that we give ourselves the best shot in those matches. And um, the first two, we, we didn't quite find our rhythm against Pakistan and, and New Zealand. And then the third match was obviously the match against South Africa. And that was, you know, a massive win and a massive shot of confidence and belief that we could possibly go on and, and keep winning. Um, and then and then just a couple of games after that, just the, the Sri Lanka game was, was disappointing. Um, you know, Afghanistan game, we felt that was a game that we were like, right, we're, we're a good chance. Australia blew us out of the water. Um, and then England, yeah, England were, were too good as well. And so, and then we, sorry, when we had a good performance against Bangladesh. So it was, it was one of those tournaments that, you know, we, we had our moments, but then also we had moments where we were completely outplayed. Um, and then that last match against India was just, yeah, we, we lost the toss. They batted first. Um, you know, after my first couple of overs, I was like, okay, we're, you know, we're a chance. And then it just all kind of cut loose. And, and uh, I can definitely feel what the Black Cat felt um, the other night. They're a, they're a tsunami, aren't they, at the moment, India? They just, they just come and come and come and come, and you kind of can't escape them. It's, um, it's quite incredible. Mate, I love the, I love the way you, you run through there, and I was just looking at the, the kind of path you guys plotted through the tournament, and you've essentially nailed it. That, that game against Sri Lanka is really the one that stands out because the feeling in the camp and the confidence and the energy after you beat South Africa, which is obviously seminal for so many reasons outside cricket as well, and that performance, mm. and to see South Africa wobble, then going into Sri Lanka, you guys must have been flying. We were. We were. We, we, we got to luck now. Um, you know, the matchup was good. We've played Sri Lanka a number of times. They, they, they weren't um, as potent as they were in Zimbabwe, and so it was kind of pre-game, we are all shaken up, you know, that this is the game, and then we're 90 for six, and we're going, okay, wow, that's, that's not the position we want, and, and lucky enough, Sabrant uh, and Ingolbrecht and, and I were able to put on a partnership and get to about 260, um, which, was, which was a decent score, but we had to bowl really well, and the team is, we were, we were a little bit off, we weren't as consistent as we had been. Um, which made it a little bit tougher for the spinners to kind of gain some control. And so, you know, they ended up winning by five wickets. Um, but it was definitely, if, if we felt like if we could get to 280, 290 in that game um, and bowl a little bit better as a team group, I think we, we would have we come close to winning that game. But, but Ryan Cook said something at the start of the tournament, you know, there's no should, there's no should or could. The fact, is, the fact is, is that we lost. But that's, 
you know, you there's often times we're like, oh, we should have won this game or we, we could have won this game. But, like, we didn't. And that's, you know, that's what happened on that day. And you've got to, you've got to move on. And you've got to go to the next match. So, um, yeah, we were, we were disappointed, but we, we still believe that we could have, uh, we could tip up, um, another team on the way. And it unfortunately didn't quite happen that way. Um, but it was, you know, we tried our best. Yeah, no, it was a, a hugely admirable effort and I totally hear what you're saying there. If there was just a bit more accurate with the ball and probably, you know, 12, 15 more runs, you know, and these are the fine margins we talk about. But interestingly, that was one of the really close matches. We didn't get a hell of a lot. Now, I've heard and read all the theories about why there was so big a margin through the games and mm. especially in the early part of the tournament, but you were out there. What, I mean, what, what is your best theory? There was people, you know, speculating it was to do with the format, um, there was conditions. There was obviously the the, the toss element of it. What mm. are, what do you what do you reckon? Why was it? Why did it take a while for the tournament to find some really close matchups? And even then, like our semi final, obviously wasn't the Black Cap semi final wasn't that close. Australia South Africa definitely got a bit tense. But yeah, what, what's the theory there for you? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a pity really when when the toss kind of becomes an, an important factor, especially at some of the venues. So at you know Waikiki and in Mumbai and Bangalore, um, we're after some smaller kind of smaller flat grounds. So especially the the grounds where it was you know smaller boundaries, flat wickets, um, you needed to win the toss that and just put on a you know massive total. And then that best time to bowl was that first kind of ten to fifteen overs uh, in like the dusk evening time. Um, and that felt like the only time it was actually really swinging mm. and got a little bit of movement. And so I pre- before the tournament started, the, all the chat was, okay, the juice factor is going to be a thing. So you're going you're gonna to want to bowl first and then bat second. And that was going to be the theory. And then it quickly flipped pretty early on that, no, no, hold on. You just need to get runs on the board and then defend. Um, and that's what we did against. South Africa, so Dharmashala was interesting. It rained pretty much most of the day. And so the covers were on uh, for a lot of the day. And then we were two hours delayed. And then South Africa won the toss and they decided to bowl, thinking there was going to be a little bit more uh, in the wicket. And, at, you know, we were, again, in that match, we were 90 for six, again, in that match. So that they kind of got the theory right. So then our, ta- our tail managed to wag and uh, we managed to get to 240 I think in 43 overs and then straight away in that in that evening period we managed to get into 40 for four and then we were just the momentum was on our side so yeah I it was it, depending on the venue like Lucknow had quite big boundaries um, so there was that was actually quite hard to defend um, and there was probably a little bit more in the wicket early on Um where else was the games? Hyderabad, probably that was early on in the tournament. So that was again the toss wasn't really too much of a, a deal then. But as the tournament's gone on, the, the, yeah, definitely the toss has been quite important, which is which is frustrating and mm. and has resulted in, in kind of non-event games. Um, and as a bowler, you know, with bowling at the Chinnaswamy the other day, it just kind of felt like I was bowling. 
like a uh, throwdown to the, to the guys and <laughs> yeah. and watching that semi final just yeah you know, I was feeling oh. for the guys because again it you know it just you you have to build pressure you can't there's not many balls that you can bowl that are gonna be these like nip back or swing away and take the nick it's literally you just need to not get hit for a boundary for maybe four or five overs and then maybe something will happen so it that's really the only way you can kind of win in, in India was what it felt like from our perspective. It was, it was like, okay, how do we not get hit for a boundary for three overs or for four overs? And then maybe they get a little bit antsy and want to try something. And that was, that was pretty much the theory. Yeah, I totally hear it. And like Trent having to come around the wicket nine balls into his spell the other night because there's just zero swing. And, you know, I can't remember who said it. Uh, actually, it was Rod Latham who we were talking to yesterday. He said, you know, mm. um, unfortunately, if there's no swing, well, you know, Tim kind of becomes military medium. And, and like, it, it's mm. just, it just becomes, it makes it completely hard. And, you know, horses for courses, all that stuff. But when you're in these semifinals and the, you know, it felt like it was really, really, really tough work and they were just pushing it uphill. And I, and I can understand why that might have felt challenging at times for you guys. What did you do for fun though? Like when, you know, there was, there was some big gaps in between the games. How did you kind of let the steam off? Because the other thing is you are, you're Holland in the world cricket Uh, world cup. Like you must've been trying to enjoy yourself. Yeah, that's that's hilarious. Just just to kind of touch on Bolte. I I was watching that semi-final and he bowled a ball over the wicket and it was just like a back of a length ball, didn't do anything, but he kind of stopped halfway through, like halfway down the pitch and just kind of looked at the pitch and just went, and he kind of like his shoulders just went, and I, I just knew exactly what he was thinking in terms of, oh, this is going to be tough. Um, and so, yes, you, you had to find some fun somewhere. And so off the field, we had, we had a, we had, we've got a really good uh, culture. We had, we had a coffee machine and, and set up the Creamy Bean Cafe uh, at every hotel we were at. So we had some guys who made coffee for everyone in the mornings, which was a great way to just chill out and connect. Um, when we were up north, there was a couple of guys in on hikes and kind of saw the nature. It was really nice up in Dharmasala. Uh, and then as we kind of moved south, um, a few guys did, you know, some city tours, but it, it was quite nuts. Like it was, it was as soon as you go outside the hotel, um, you know, they were, you know, the the locals were all over you around selfies and and um, autograph, and so you you needed security a lot of the times if you wanted to do something um, in and around the city, um, and so it was, yeah, mainly it was just kind of spending time with each other. And you know we had we had a um, some virtual golf games um, that we set up in the team room that got quite heated after uh, during the evening. And no, it was just the most fun. It was just the enjoyment of of just being in India. And you know the games, the crowds were amazing. You know I've, I've never experienced um, noise when Coley came out to to bat. Um, and then when, when, you know, KL, Rahul and Shreyas got their hundreds again, it's like the, the, the sound is deafening. Oh, man. Um, to the point where I, I, I saw, you know, Chris Gaffney had his kind of hands over his ears. It was so <laughs> loud. Um, and, it's, yeah, and they're hitting, you know, you're running into bowl and they're hitting a six and the crowd goes nuts. And, 
then you got to go run up again and bowl another one, and then they add another six, and it's just it just builds, builds, builds. So, um, in a weird way, they they were kind of my most enjoyable part. And this is going to sound a bit strange, but when I was bowling to Maxwell at the end or Stokes at the end when they you know they're on hundred, um, it's like the challenge of trying to bowl just a dot ball or just to get hit for one was was actually really satisfying. Um, and in my head, it was like, this, it doesn't get much harder than what's happening right now. And so that was probably my most enjoyable part was, was actually just challenging yourself against the best, uh, on, you know, on pretty flat wickets, small boundaries. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, it was just awesome to be out there. Uh, giving me shivers, man. I mean, I just, I think that's so cool. You're such a competitor and, and you deserve that moment to be able to test yourself and on the biggest, the, literally the biggest stage in the world. I just think that is so, so cool. Well done, uh, Logan. Congratulations on being there. Congratulations on you guys' performances as well and, and no doubt you'll be back playing for Wellington pretty soon, yeah? Yes. No, thanks. Thanks, Lou. I appreciate that. Yeah, so back back in Wellington now. Uh, we've got the Ford Trophy starting next week. The boys are up in Auckland at the moment uh, battling away against uh, in a in a shield game, I, I was close to playing, uh, but then yeah, kind of sense prevailed where I, I probably needed a bit of a physical and mental break after uh, the World Cup. And no, I'm just really looking forward to to reconnecting with the the boys. I've actually been away for for three months. It was it was uh, Zimbabwe for six weeks, and then Canada for three weeks, and the GC and they went and played for Worcester for six weeks. And then we had the World Cup for seven weeks. And so I'm just looking forward to, to catching up with the guys and, um, yeah, having, getting some wins with the, the Firebirds, which, which would be great. Perfect. That's awesome. And, um, yeah, you, you'll settle back in here, and I, I assume you'll enjoy a little bit of green tinge to a wicket as well. It'll be a nice reprieve for you. Um, exactly. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. If I, see, if I see the ball swinging, I'm, I'm going to just stop and just kind of, it's just, yeah. it's just the little just things, isn't it? Nice smile. Yeah, just the little things. Exactly, exactly. Logan Van Beek, champion. Really appreciate your time. Awesome, Louis. All right, see you, man. Welcome back from the break. You're listening to the Canary Sports Corner on SENZ. It's producer Jacob on the mic for a change. I uh, got sick of Louis, so I turned off his mic. Uh, anywho, we've got five shows until the until the new year. Um, so we're going to play the five best interviews from the year that's been starting with Jordan Oppert's interview with Debbie Hockley from January this year. I tell you what, if you're a young woman out there, it's never been a more exciting or enticing time to pick up a cricket bat and get down to the nets. The under-19s are currently at the World Cup. The White Ferns are about to kick off their World Cup campaign too in South Africa. The women's IPL is all go. Confirmed five teams which collectively sold for close to one billion New Zealand dollars. So who better to chat to than a woman who's helped pave the way for women's cricket both here and around the world. The first women's cricketer here in New Zealand to be inducted into the ICC Hall of Fame. Former New Zealand cricket president, Canterbury legend and one of the most remarkable women I know, Debbie Hockley. Good morning Debbie. Oh, Morena, Jordan. Well, firstly, Debbie, big news out this week that there's now a medal with your name on it that will be, that'll be yes. presented to the top female cricketer, exactly the same as Sir Richard. I mean, what does that mean to you? Um, look, I've been actually. I said to I said to Willie from New Zealand Cricket. I was looking. I was actually looking up synonyms for 
honoured and humbled and things because they're such blooming cliches, aren't they? But it, it is actually how I feel. I, I feel incredibly privileged and quite humbled. I, I was kind of blown away when David White uh, rang me and said that this is what they had proposed. So I, do, I just do feel an enormous sense of privilege. There's, there's been lots of other cricketers who've played the game uh, other than me, but to have my name associated with this top award for the females, um, it it is very special, and and I do I, I do feel I, I do feel very privileged to you know have have my name on a medal um, you know alongside Sir Richard who who is a really good mate of mine, and and every time I've been to the cricket awards and the Sir Richard Hadley medals awarded at the end of the awards night, I think, gosh, that's, it's such a cool thing to honour him, and I guess that, uh, you know, my my name will be on the, on the medal for probably, hopefully, years to come. Does this also mean that you have a lifetime VIP invite to the Glitz and Glam Cricket Awards? Well, I jolly well better, because <laughs> uh, yeah, as I have noted in the time when I was president and got to go to the awards when they were on, and, I, and by the way, I think this is the first time in three years that the um, ANZ awards have been on in person, which will be, it'll be such a delight to have everyone back in the room, so, um, so yeah, look, it's going it's to be fabulous, and uh, I am certainly hoping that Myself and Mandy will probably get invited every year, but like Sir Richard and I do, so that um, we can get to present those medals ourselves. So that's just an, and that's a, that's a cherry on top, basically. Very well deserved as well. Hey, look, what an exciting time as well to be a female in sport, but particularly cricket. What do you make of, I guess, the evolution and opportunities that have popped up in the last 12 months? Wow, you could you could almost say in about the last twelve weeks, wouldn't you, with the yeah. the under nineteen women's World Cup um, taking place for the first time had been delayed by COVID, uh, taking place in South Africa currently, and and our own New Zealand under nineteen team are playing India uh, in one of the semi-finals tonight. So I just uh, pressed the record button on uh, Sky TV uh, before I left this morning. They're playing at nine o'clock. I understand tonight. So not only is the um, you know inaugural under-19 tournament taking place, but just yesterday news of the very first uh, Indian Premier League for women. Uh, it's called the Women's Premier League. That's taking place, place with five franchise teams, and and that's starting. Uh, it, my understanding is that that is going to take place directly after the uh, Women's T20 World Cup, which is yet another thing, uh, which is. Uh, happening from the 10th to the 26th of February. So, gee, I, t- I tell you, isn't it, it, it? You know, women's sport this year, Jordan, it rocks, doesn't it? Just with the mm. with the women's rugby World Cup, with the women's football World Cup, um, exciting times. And just to touch a bit more on that, those IPL teams, they all collectively nearly sold for close to one billion New Zealand dollars. Can you believe that? Not really. I think it's uh, it, it. You know, I've seen people describe it as a watershed moment, and, and it and it really is. Um, I think you know we've all seen the how the um, the men's IPL. You know, just just the the money and the excitement involved with that, and you know, regardless of the money, because I suspect that uh, there'll be some 
some some good coin on offer for female cricketers um, when their auctions take place. So I, I don't actually know how the teams get selected. I haven't read that far yet, but I'm assuming that they will have some sort of auction process like the men do. So it is a watershed moment, I think, you know, you know to, to pretty much have equal footing um, with the men's IPL in India. It's, it's you know, it, it's really a, a pinnacle event in the women's game, um, along with the other world tournaments that we have. And I guess you, you sort of touched on it then, but when you were playing Debs, did you ever think we'd be in this position where not only our women are paid, but paid well, and have just about equal opportunities to the men? Uh, to be honest, probably not. I mean, it was, you know, because I've now not played cricket for longer than I did play cricket. So, um, you know, 20, 23, 22 years ago was when I finished playing. And I think when we, when we, you know, my last year of playing, when we, when we had the 2000 World Cup in New Zealand, I mean, it's the type of thing where you, you think, gosh, that would be, that would be lovely if it happened. But I, I guess that at the time, you know, like when I was playing and, and my teammates were playing, we were just really focused on doing the best that we could with what we had. And you always, you always think it would be nice to have more money available in terms of. Um, Say recompensing for lost wages and things, but in saying that, I you know, I still played um, in an era uh, where you know we got um, you know we got allowances for food and things like that when we were away. And, and when you when you have nothing and you get something, that's pretty cool. So it's just been a it's probably been a natural evolution, I think. Yeah, and you and your teammates are a big reason why the game is where it is today. Are you guys? I mean, do you talk about it often? And I, I guess, are you proud of how far the women's games come? Oh yeah, immensely, and especially from from my point of view, I suppose um, I am really proud of New Zealand cricket. And clearly, you know, with with um, having had that role as president for six years, I I got to see the inside workings, and I and I'm really proud of the fact that New Zealand cricket owned up um, when the Sarah Beeman report came out to not having. Um, perhaps dedicated as much time to the the women in cricket side of things as um, should have been done. I was proud of them for just owning up, and and I think the amount of work that has been done in that space, uh, you know, in the last six or seven years has been phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm really I'm really proud of where things are. You know, there are always things that we still could be doing, but. You know, with with having an under nineteen team over at the World Cup, to me, that's that's you know really where we need to keep focusing that level plus the levels underneath, so that we keep um, you know producing players that compete for places in the side. I think that you know that that's something that we still need to get to is where we have so many people competing for places in the white fern side that it keeps everyone honest the whole time and really striving to be the very best that they can be so that we can uh, get back to the world stage of producing good results. And, and hopefully with the, you know, the under-19s, hopefully that they will go further in their tournament, but also with the White Ferns, a good chance for them at the, the World T20 um, uh, World Cup in uh, South Africa, a really good chance for them to, to build on that you know, bronze medal success they had at the Commonwealth Games and the T20 competition. I know that they'll be wanting to do well. 
and you're heading over. Tell me about that. Are you allowed to? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, do you mean, am, I, am I allowed to go? Yes, I have been allowed to go, which is great. <laughs> I've, not, I've not been banned. Um, yes, I'm, look, I'm lucky enough to have got another gig um, through the International Cricket Council and Sunset and Bind, who are the uh, television production company. So, you know, I've, I've been fortunate that I've had four opportunities at commentating for women's uh, World Cups, whether it's been 50 overs or T20. Um, and, yeah, lucky enough to get another gig this year. So I'm heading off on Tuesday week and looking forward to having the opportunity of um, being amongst other really good commentators, especially lots of other female commentators. I've really enjoyed that environment about being around other, um, you know, excellent um, female, they're role models for me really because, uh, you know, commentating's not my main job. Um, it's a secondary thing for me, but I, you know, any time I get an opportunity, I'm, I'm really grateful for a start and, um, and I just try and put my best foot forward, not make too many stuff ups and, um, you know, be, a, be an advocate for the women's game. And you are that completely. Look, we've got to let you go because uh, you've got a busy morning ahead, don't you? And I want to share with people because you're such a delight. There are very few people that would say, I've got to get through this interview by this time because I've got to head and do this beautiful volunteering work. So tell us what you're doing, Debs. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm driving, um, hands-free of course, um, I'm driving <laughs> out to the... SBCA in Christchurch, where I've been uh, doing a bit of volunteering for this amazing organisation. SBCA has always been very, very dear to my heart, and um, because I've been uh, working a, a bit more part-time this year, uh, had a bit of time, so went out there, did some volunteering, and have ended up um, volunteering in their farmyard, um, which has been very cool. It's mostly been working with horses. Um, and really I've given myself the unofficial title of Chief Poopa because when I go out there, the majority of the times they, you know, they, they, they might have um, eight horses and ten mini horses out there and they, believe me, they poo a lot and uh, so someone, someone has to pick it up. So, but today I've got a promotion and, and uh, I'm going to take one of the SPCA vehicles um, out uh, to a farm somewhere to collect some hay uh, and their horse float. I've not driven the horse float yet, so we'll see how that goes. That'll be fine, SPCA, if you're listening. But uh, <laughs> to pick up some hay, some hay to take back to the centre. So uh, look, I've actually, I, I've loved it, Jordan. It's um, it's one of those things that when you, you know, when you do volunteer, you realise how much it helps the people who work there. And the SPCA are, a, they're an amazing organisation. They work so hard and um, to care for animals. Because, you know, basically every animal that has come into their care has unfortunate circumstances. So I admire them so much and, and it's, been, um, it's been something I've really enjoyed being able to give them a little bit of my time. So thanks for the plug. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> well, you're and, such and, a delight. Cool, oh, can I, sorry, I'm just interrupting, the, um, no. interrupting you, even though, even though it's your show. But, um, <laughs> you know, if any, if, if any other people... Um, you know, uh, thinking they've got some spare time and they want to volunteer, get a hold of your local SPCA organisation because they're always looking for volunteers um, and for foster parents as well. You're Thank such you. a delight, Debbie. Thank you so, so much for your time. Beautiful message there at the end to finish as well. And safe travels to South Africa. I wish I could come in your suitcase. Uh, I need a big suitcase, Jordan, if you don't mind me saying it. I was only going to take carry-on, but I might have to expand it now. So. <laughs> I think, thanks, 
Thanks very much for the opportunity. Cheers. Canterbury Sports Corner, and gee, I could have just kept playing that. It probably would have been far better. Luke Combs, uh, the Luke Combs of SENZ, actually a big Luke Combs fan, the doyen of rural everything is Andy Thompson. He joins me, hosts the Rural Roundup. Hello, Andy. G'day, Luke. Just keep playing it, mate. I, I'm not going to interrupt Luke Combs. That is we, a great tune. Unfortunately, we just have. Oh, just fade it up. And I ain't got to see my ex-future mother You went and saw Luke Combs, didn't you? Best concert ever. 100% best concert I've ever been to. Oh. What, well, beat Guns N' Roses at... I haven't at, been to Guns N' Roses. Western... Didn't go to Guns N' Roses. Um, uh, I saw Pearl Jam here in Canterbury. Uh, that was a great concert. When were they here? Ooh, I'm going to say 2008, maybe. Oh, Something yeah. around that sort of mark. Someone's going to correct me on that, but that was a good concert. Uh, bon Jovi, about the same time, was another fantastic concert. Um, but Luke Combs, I've never been to a concert where every, right from the very first song, everyone stood up and sang every single song. Now, was, ca- this is not what we're here to talk about, but uh, why, we, why Andy is here actually is because it's obviously Cup and Show Week and it's a massive week for uh, the rural and ag sector around uh, Canterbury. But country music has... And actually, you might be able to tie this in if you're good enough to the, to the AMP show because country music is uh, having a huge revival here in New Zealand. And it, I don't think it's... It's, um, com- it's time has come. Well, I feel like country music these days is almost pop. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, you think back to Shania Twain, right? So that country rock that Shania Twain, and that was hugely popular back in the early 2000s, right, when Shania Twain was absolutely massive. What we've got now is a new wave, a new genre of country music, which is country pop, country rock crossover, and you've got Luke Combs, Morgan Wallen, and I know this is uh, another radio, we're not a music brand, so we can talk about it. You've got ZM playing, um, you've got ZM playing country music, country Mm. rock, country Mm. pop, very, very regularly. And that crossover, I think, has occurred. We're starting to see, like, even there's a digital country station now that's starting up. Uh, wow. If you go onto one of the brands, you know, it's, and it's got some big names actually anchoring it. It's not on. Oh, it's not on terrestrial radio, but it is actually coming. It's not we, one of those conspiracy radios. No, 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 oh, no. We're not talking about. No, this is proper country music. <laughs> digital. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we're not talking about those guys. So, but you're right. It, it is coming through into mainstream. I think that's what we're talking about. And guys like Luke Combs, Morgan Wallens, and there's plenty of other artists. So uh, we're starting to get airplay. Who's my man, Zach Johnson? Yeah, Zach Johnson. Jeez, he's um, good. Yeah, and there's some great music coming through. And I think, do you know what I think it is? I think people are not tagging it as country music <gasps> anymore. It's just, this is just pop, you know, and it's got a country twist or a country theme. And people are going, actually, I quite like this. You know, the old toe-tapping stuff. And Maybe and yodeling's next. No, that's <laughs> a step too far. <laughs> well, you, well, mind the you, the top twins do a good yodel. They do. Yeah, they do a great yodel. Hey Andy, so the it's been Cup and Show Week, obviously, and uh, so the last three days out at the AMP Park out there, it was a huge festival for the rural and ag sector. What was the focus on this year? I, I like to think it's not field days, but usually there's a trend or there's a topic or there's something that everyone's gas bagging about. What is it this year? Well, look, okay, so you're right it's not a field day and a field day is so the difference between an AMP show and a field day is a field day is uh, targeting directly to farmers right Mm. so you're coming in and you're buying equipment you're buying technology you're learning about new trends all that sort of stuff an AMP has always been very much bringing country to town so you've got 
urban people coming to the AMP show and learning about urban uh, rural New Zealand. And that is the most important thing. So people from the suburbs who are going to Canterbury Park, going to the New Zealand Ag Show, by the way, not the Canterbury AMP show anymore. They've changed the branding of it. Have so they? Quite a, it's a very significant branding, yep. So the New Zealand Ag Show, the NZ Ag Show, is what the event is called. What, here? Yeah, the New Zealand Ag Show. How did they get the rights to that? Or is that... Is, the, is, is, it the, is it the biggest one? Uh, it's by far the biggest one in New Zealand. Yep. Wanaka AMP show is still pretty big. Uh, Hawke's Bay AMP show is pretty big. Um, but actually the biggest agricultural show in New Zealand, other than the Mystery Creek Field Days, is the New Zealand Ag Show or, a.k.a. the Canterbury AMP show. Okay. Now, so I remember going for Leafield Primary School, you know, for five years. You go, you do the one of the absolute highlights on the school calendar. The, your field the day tri- off. Your yep. field trip in on Friday. Just splendid, and you learn. You're right. You learn so much. So, what are we learning this year? What were we learning this year? What was the big focus, or what is something that you know you've been banging on about? The people down there are banging on about whether it's wool spinning, yodeling, wood chopping. What? Yeah. So, so the the interesting thing about this show is they've made a lot of significant changes to the day and to the experience. So. In the past, it's been very much about the animals, and it's still about the animals. You know, you can still buy, go on the rides and buy your candy floss and, and buy your, you know, your show mm, hot dog mm. and all that sort of stuff, and that's fantastic. There's still plenty of retail available, but what I noticed um, over the last three days is there's a lot more um, explaining to people about why agriculture is so important to our economy. And one big part is, in, you go into where all the animals were, there used to be just animals in there. Now they've got this massive um, display about the importance of wool and why wool is so important. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so there's this big whole static display where you walk through it. You know, one example is wool coffins, okay? So these are the sort of things. So wool, everyone thinks wool's just a jersey or a jumper or whatever it is, but no, wool is so much more. It's insulated. There's a lot of other products that are being developed. So one of the big issues in New Zealand agriculture is obviously wool, especially strong wool, is worth nothing virtually. So everyone is trying to find new uses for strong wool. So they're they're showcasing that. So there's a lot more showcasing of agriculture and its importance to the economy. So that would be the main difference that I've seen. Oh, amazing. I hope, do you know what? It was kind of a loaded question because I was kind of hoping you'd answer like that because I think education is pretty much the most important thing for the uh, rural sector these days. Wool coffins, would they not biodegrade? Well, well, yeah. You're in the ground. It doesn't make a lot of difference, does it? Well, so, but then are you just going to get a bunch of, are you just going to end up in 100 years with a bunch of bones in the ground with no nothing? Well, well don't you already? After well, you know, I mean, I, I look. I'm not saying I've got a problem with this necessarily. I'm just trying to get. But isn't the point of a coffin that it encases the body? Possibly. Um, good question. Don't know. And and maybe I should have taken a bit more notice. If, if I'd known thinking. you were going to ask me that question, <laughs> uh, I would have gone and uh, found a little. But I just saw it, you know, and I'm going, okay, that's an interesting use. Did they have the polo out there this year, or did they stopped uh, that a while ago? I haven't seen polo. No, I don't think there's polo there this year. I think polo is kind of separate. They certainly got all of the equestrian disciplines out there. Mm. Plenty of that. Um, all the animals. What they do do actually, which um, I was interested, I've seen it before, but I didn't realise it's quite so targeted. They actually um, uh, mate a whole lot of ewes. So they actually lamb during the event. So they have late lambing ewes uh, so that they, while you're there, the kids come along and then they can see ewes lambing. So that's Bravo. Cool. So, that that you know, is wonderful. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So people like these city kids, like yeah. country kids don't care. They see it all the time. They yeah. see how the lambs are made and they see how they're born. That's not a big deal, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't think they have the 
the mating component, to be honest. But anyway, that might be... Maybe they could do that next year. No, but they certainly have the lambing component there. Uh, and they have the kids' farmyard, and so they see all the, you know, yeah. all that sort of stuff. So that's a big part. It's actually, um, in all seriousness, to be... You know, it's, it's a really important part of agriculture to introduce young urban kids to agriculture. Otherwise, they end up... Um, effectively um, not understanding and thinking all their food comes from supermarkets, right? So they need to know how food is produced. They need to know that this is a business um, and they they start to see the importance of agriculture to the New Zealand economy. It's not just actually kids, it's actually adults as well. Maybe some people have never been exposed to it and they're going to the New Zealand Ag Show and AMP show, whether they go to the Ringiora one, the Ashburton one, even the Leaston show, which actually the Leaston AMP show is one of my favourite AMP shows, to be honest. It is a genuine, beautiful AMP show. Small, compact. The other one I really like is a Wataroa AMP show down in South Westland. Another Wataroa. really cool day. Yep. Yeah, it's another really cool day. So AMP shows are an integral part of New Zealand, of the fabric oh. of New Zealand society. Long may they lane. They're run by volunteers, so the committees, they have a really interesting structure for the committees uh, for the AMP shows, so they're all run by volunteers. But the more they're supported by the general public, they will continue, and I think they're absolutely crucial part of our society so that people can understand uh, why agriculture is so important and where their food comes from. Oh, I just could not agree more. You know, think back to the the art show at the Amberley AMP show and you spend all year trying to get your best bit of art in and hang it up in the, the hall there. The, and the, the, uh, the old, they still, I think, potatoes? Still, well, they have the potatoes, they have the best, yeah, but they also have the um, the flower displays, you know, the old yes, sand saucer yes, and all that sort of yeah. stuff. I, I'm not sure if the New Zealand Ag Show still does that, but I know the smaller The AMP, smaller ones definitely yeah, do. They do. And the kids absolutely love it. Totally. You know? Bring along your pet calf and and whatever and show it. The the um the I guess uh, one of the things that I think is great is also when they when they bring the sheep dogs out and you have a shepherd gonna go around and yeah do you commands so you dog the, shows they the, have the they have the dog trialing have the wood chopping um what was fun and I missed it this year because I was maybe busy working uh, actually to be fair I was probably you, at lunch you're probably drinking oh well no no that was later no I was at lunch at the alliance meets and anyway that's a magnificent lunch by the way um that they were um uh, they were herding um ducks. Um, using a sheepdog to herd ducks, which is uh, quite amusing, to be fair. Maybe, well, yeah, well, if they, that's the wrong time of year, but I thought you were going to suggest they were doing duck shooting. Um. Uh, no. No, the guns are not encouraged, <laughs> from what I've noticed. Uh, that's, there are some parts, of, there's some parts of rural New Zealand that don't translate well to urban New Zealand, and we... we not that we try and hide it, but, hey, um, there's certain parts of it that we just like to, um, shall we say, amplify more than others. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Say, say no more, Andy. Uh, what a great week. You must love this week. Cup I love and show this week. week. I absolutely. I come over, obviously live on the West Coast, but I come here every single year without fail to the Canterbury AMP. New Zealand action. I've got to get it right. Uh, get it right and, um, and, and if I hadn't have been in, away on holiday, I might have made it to, to Cup Down Tuesday. Definitely going to um, Rickerton.